This month is all about Easter, and today is Palm Sunday. And really, Palm Sunday is the day in which Christians celebrate and remember the moment when Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem as their savior and their king. And this, is, this marks the final week of Jesus's life. And that's why so many Christians will call this week Holy Week. And this is the week that we are preparing our hearts and we're thinking about uh, Jesus and, and his death and how that tremendously changes our life and gives us new hope. Now, many, uh, many times we'll read this, this uh, passage of scripture and we'll break down verse by verse, really explain what's going on. But today I wanted to read the, the scripture and kind of take a step back and give you a broad overview of what's happening. So rather than reading verse by verse and taking out a microscope, we're gonna be using a telescope, if that makes sense. So let's go ahead and get into this because we've got a big day planned here. John 12, we're gonna be looking at verse 12 through 16. The next day, when the large crowd who had come to the Passover feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees in homage to him as king and went out to meet him. And they began shouting and kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, just as it is written in scripture. Do not fear, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand the meaning of these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified and exalted, they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Amen. Let me give you a, a brief context of what's happening here. The Jewish people had been waiting for a king to come and rescue them from Roman rule. The Romans and being ruled by them were the largest source of pain in, the, uh, in their lives right now in, um, for the Jews. And there was a Jewish prophecy that foretold of this king of the Jews who was coming to rescue them and he was gonna be seated on a donkey. And news of Jesus had already spread throughout the land due to his miracles, primarily the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. You can imagine word about that would spread pretty far and wide because that was an incredible, incredible thing. So the, the crowds that had gathered at Passover, they were super excited to see Jesus, but they were also very interested in seeing Lazarus and meeting him and talking to him. And an interesting side note that the religious leaders were actually plotting to put Lazarus to death. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Because how many of us know when God has done something amazing in your life and he has performed this incredible miracle in your life, the devil is right there to try and take it away. And that's exactly what was happening. The devil wanted to take something back that Jesus had conquered. 
And the meaning of Hosanna, so Jesus is riding in to, into the town and the disciples are with him and Jesus, he rode deep, right? Like there was a lot of people that would always come with him. And, and so they just started shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And then the people at the Passover, of course, a, a crowd kind of draws a crowd. So they start realizing, oh my goodness, this is Jesus, he's coming, he's arriving. This is our moment, this is our King, this is our savior. So they start waving palm branches and they start singing Hosanna, Hosanna. And the meaning of the word Hosanna, it is very much as it sounds. It is a cry of adoration and praise and honor that they were bestowing to this king. But Hosanna also has a different meaning. It also is a desperate cry for help. It's a request for salvation. And so here we see that an oppressed people that were petitioning for freedom when they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, come and save us. Come and save us from this evil government and from the rule of the Romans. The Jewish people had the expectation that Jesus was going to save them from every source of pain, from every oppression, from every discomfort that existed in their life, namely the Romans. But what they didn't know, Jesus was coming to save them from something far bigger than that. He had eternity in his mind. He was coming for their hearts. He was coming for their souls. He wasn't there to defeat a puny little government. He was there to defeat death. That was his objective. And he wasn't there to conform to them and to their culture and to their lifestyle. He was there to usher in a completely new kingdom, a completely new way of living, a completely new way of life. That's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom that Christ was bringing was 100% different than the culture that they were familiar with. And it was gonna challenge them and it was going to oppose some of the ideas that they valued and that they treasured. But when their expectations of what he was going to do for them went unmet, they rejected him. They wanted nothing to do with him. And how true is that of us today? It's like, the same thing on repeat over and over and over again. When our world goes badly, when our expectations go unmet, when, th when things don't happen the way that we had told God they were gonna happen, we get discouraged and we get angry and we become disillusioned and we just want to give up because this is not going to plan. And I'm a Christian, this should work out for me. I pray, I read my Bible. Why isn't this going according to plan? But Jesus did not come here to bring us a life that was absent of hardship and that was absent of pain and that was absent of resistance. We are citizens of heaven. We live in a new kingdom. And he is calling us to the type of life that is so countercultural to this world, it's difficult for us to even imagine it. I want to tell you a story today. 
And I think that this story, when I was studying for this, it really, the story hit me hard because it encapsulated, it, it describes this so beautifully and so perfectly. And this is the story of the Bethel community in Germany. So there's quite a few people that probably haven't heard of the Bethel community. I had not either, but it was founded in 1867 by this father and son, Frederick von Bottleschwink, both junior and senior, and they have the longest, most difficult names to pronounce in English. Um, but this is the largest Christian care network for the mentally and physically disabled in all of Central Europe. It's massive. It, today, there are 14 cities all over Germany with hospitals and clinics all dedicated to the care of those with special needs in the name of Jesus. The whole purpose is to care for them and show them love the way that Jesus loves them. And their story, the story of the Bon, uh, the von bottle swings. I'm just going to go with Frederick. Is that okay? We're going to go with Frederick on this one. <laughs> the story of the Fredericks is actually highlighted in the biography of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which was written by Eric Metexas. It's really good. It's not a light read. I'm still working through it, but you can find the story in that biography, which is just so incredible. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, uh, well, he was a pastor and he was a spy. He was a very interesting character, but he was ultimately a martyr at the hands of the Nazis because of his opposition to um, the Nazi regime and his incredible faith. And uh, Bonhoeffer knew Frederick Jr. quite well, and he visited the Bethel community a number of times. And Bonhoeffer, he was greatly impacted by the work that the Fredericks were doing. And um, all of the amazing things and the stories that were coming out of this Bethel community. So I wanted just to read a quick description of Bonhoeffer's visit to the Bethel community. Bethel began in 1867 as a Christian community for people with epilepsy, but by 1900 included several facilities that cared for 1,600 disabled persons. The younger Bottleswing took it over at his father's death in 1910, and by the time of Bonhoeffer's visit, it was a whole town with schools, churches, farms, factories, shops, and housing for nurses. At the center were numerous hospital and care facilities, including orphanages. Bonhoeffer had never seen anything like it. It was the antithesis of the Nietzschean worldview that exalted power and strength. It was the gospel made visible a fairy tale landscape of grace where the weak and the helpless were cared for in a palpably Christian atmosphere. And this just brings tears to my eyes because Metaxas's description here for me describes God's kingdom here on earth. It is such a beautiful description. A fairy tale landscape of grace. This is a community that was living under the reign of a totally different king, the kingdom of God. 
And Bottle Swing, he became a great defender of the people in this community because once Hitler came into power, the Nazis came knocking on his door. Because guess what they wanted? They wanted him to turn over care of the community to the government because they were going to engage in what the Nazis called mercy killings. We know that millions of Jewish people were murdered by the hands of the Nazis. But a lesser known fact is that hundreds of thousands of people with special needs were also murdered in the death camps because they did not fit the description of the Nazi worldview of the superhuman. And the Nazis repeatedly came to this Bethel community, knocking on the door in an attempt to take over. And it was such a stressful time for Frederick Jr. that he actually died a few months after World War II ended, and he was only in his mid-70s. But Frederick knew that he was called by Christ to create this bubble, a beautiful kingdom for those with special needs in the middle of an evil regime. And he being that he, as well as Hitler, was accountable to a higher power. He created a community that reflected Jesus where the weak are exalted and dignified and treated as the most important people in society. And that was a slap in the face to the Nazi culture to that Nazi regime. But he created a gospel-centered world in the middle of one of the most evil regimes in our history. This is the kind of life that Jesus was ushering in that day into Jerusalem. That's why he was saying, you don't have to worry about the Romans. The Romans, they're gonna come and go like a breath. I'm ushering in a new kingdom. I want you to create this bubble of grace for people that need me most. Guess what Brandon and Angela are doing for our middle schoolers? They're creating a bubble. They're creating a landscape of grace during this time that is so difficult. Children are struggling middle schoolers are struggling they need strong leaders they need people that say you know what I'm not even getting paid for this but I love you so much I am dedicating my life to, to serve God and to serve you and in a culture where it is so it, the thing to do is to get married and get into your career and make lots of money and be all about yourself and your trajectory they've said our life is God's and we're going to put the kingdom of God first. And all these other things will be added to it. He will take care of us. He will take care of all the stuff. But we are dedicating our lives to serving God. And we are the recipients of that. How wonderful. This is the kingdom of God in action. And I'm actually going to go ahead and have the band come up. Because I want to sing and end in worship with a special song. But I want us to be thinking about how often, let's reflect how often we become discouraged and disillusioned with God because he isn't saving us in the way and in the manner that we think he should. When he doesn't move 
as quickly as we think he should. Listen, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. They are not quick. If you are trying to get somewhere fast, a donkey should not be your first choice. They are slow animals and they are very stubborn. But Jesus rode a donkey into town because it was his timing. He wasn't rushed. He knew his plan. He knew his objective. God is calling you to a far greater life and a greater calling than the momentary hardships that you are going through right now. He is calling you to something great. And it doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. We are citizens of heaven. We are to create these landscapes of grace regardless of what the world is doing. So I want us to stand and worship together. And if you need space, you just come right on down. That's okay, there's tons of space up here. But let's end today worshiping God, ushering in His kingdom because we are going into Holy Week. And I want our hearts to be right.